Okay, I'm going to do something here for you people out there in podcast land. Are you ready? I'm going to lift this big, tall energy drink up to my lips. Here we go. That was good. This stuff's wicked, delicious good. And it helps me wake up. Would you want to know the truth? What's the truth? Salty? It's not very good for me. (laughs) It's not very good for me. And you know what? You know what, Miss Spice? What's that? I know. It's not very good for me. And you know what? You just are drinking one, too. And it's right next to mine, I might point yeah. out. <laughs> no, I got, the, I got the pink kind. She's got the orange kind today. I'm drinking orange juice for breakfast. <laughs> okay, and we don't have any, any, there's no tie-in to any product here. We're not sponsored by anybody. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, this is the, this is the, mine is a monster ultra red. I had to read the can. Ultra red. And hers is the or- Monster Orange, sugar-free. Both are sugar-free. And they're wicked good. And I do mean both words. They're wicked <laughs> good. And I wish they had a non-caffeinated version that was just, that tastes just like it, because I would drink that, like, all the time. I would, they would, I would pay $20 a day worth of stuff <laughs> to drink that. So it is that good. But, you know, the top of my head will explode. Now, I have high blood pressure problem. It's not really high. It's very well controlled. So I can't be drinking this stuff all the time because that would not be good for my blood pressure. Now, we have drank it and tested it. We've done a scientific test, and it really doesn't affect. No, we didn't. We did a tiny sample size test. <coughs> yeah, we did. A, okay, we did a one sample test, but <laughs> it didn't. But I know it's not good for me. So what I wanted to talk about today, in part, is dealing with stuff that you know is not necessarily good for you. But you know you're going to do anyway. How to deal with it. That's part of what we want to talk about today. So go ahead. You went in a different direction than I expected. Why don't you show me where you're heading here? I told you where I'm headed. That was where I headed. <laughs> that's, my, that's my whole thing. I was going to give examples. When it comes to prepping, because this is a prepper podcast. Okay. Welcome to the 3BY podcast. We're about beans, bullets, bandages, and you. And part of being you is doing good things and bad things. And uh, so we're talking about here to talk about prepping. You go ahead and give your thesis, and then we'll twine them together somehow or other. Okay. Because we're good at that. <laughs> what I was Or, the, or we're going to have two points, and then they'll be totally separate, and nobody will know. Because she's staring at me like, Bing. dude, what? Is, <laughs> where, da, nah. <laughs> you turned left. Okay. <laughs> I turned left. <laughs> what I was uh, thinking we were going with here is being seen as being nutty because you're a prepper, and <clears throat> Sorry. to what extent it is and is not a problem. And how to deal with it to the extent that it's a problem. Oh, well, okay. So let's deal with those in two. So we're going to have a, a bipolar podcast here. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and deal with yours first. So, uh, okay, a lot of people a lot of people are really hung up about what other people think about them. Spice and I are not amongst this group. I could really not care. I have to keep this G-rated because I almost said something else. <laughs> I don't give a flying flip about what anybody else thinks of me except for her. Period. And it's established I like him, so there's that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, at work, I want to be thought of as a reasonable coworker simply because that's a necessary part of getting the job done. But other than that, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you hate me. I just don't care. But I'm weird. Most people are not like me, and I recognize that. And there is a downside to that as well. There is. There are actually two downsides that I can think of. You don't have any friends for one thing. <laughs> I am, I'm reminded of a, a book I read where one of the guys was Mr. Upright, by the book, do everything by the regulation. And when he's talking to his commanding officer, his, his officer points it out, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be a great example to the men. It's like, but nobody wants to be like you. <laughs> and if nobody wants to be like you, it kind of defeats the purpose of being a great example. If you are seen as being too far outside the pale. And for those of you not familiar with where the expression came from, pale stands for palisade, the wall that surrounded the community. If you are too far outside the community, the people in the community don't want to be like you. And the fact that you're showing a great example on some aspects of your life will be wasted because they don't want to replicate that. Right. So you have to at least be close enough to the palisade that they can see what you're doing and see the benefits of that and don't mind being associated with it. So that's one drawback. The other drawback is there, if you look historically... Oh, the Inquisitions are a great example of this. Very true. What was the Inquisition really mostly about? Taking people's stuff. Because if the Inquisition indicted you and convicted you, the church got to keep your stuff. Yep. And, and the people who turned you in got to keep a big chunk of your stuff. Most people, because they don't teach history in school, okay? They really don't. I mean, they, they pretend to, but they don't. Most people don't really understand what the Inquisition was about. It was a, in, in a large sense. Now, there were, to be fair, there were absolute fanatics. Sure. But there were also people within the church who were very secular. <laughs> very <laughs> secular. And they realized that it was all about power. And the more stuff you owned, the more power you had. Even if the church owns it and you're the prince of the church, you Effectively have the power. owned it. You know, and and they want they could see the development of the of the nobility and the king system, and this became a dual power system in a lot of places. And this is a way that the church, because there's, you could be the king's favorite, but the church could still take you out as a heretic, and everybody knew it. They probably couldn't do the king, but just about anybody else, they could take you down. And the knowledge that they could take you down and take away your property and lock you up or torture you to death, that was power. So, you know, and if you are kind of more outside the norm, you're much more likely to have that happen. Now, we've, we've talked about gray men before, and we'll talk about them again, but uh, I'm just... Where I'm going with that is, if you are seen as being outside the group, then it serves as justification for some people 
who frankly would want to do it anyway, they will use that as a cover to come and take your stuff. And it's not hard to see how this works from a prepping situation. If you're known as a prepper and people are running short, people are obviously going to want some of the stuff you've got. If they see you as a member of the community, it is much harder to justify, much harder to get away with taking away what you have. If you are seen as being outside the pale, and if they can use other people's prejudices, play up your difference, and make you seem outside the community more than you are, then they've got a way to come in and take your stuff, and people protest a heck of a lot less, and they get to keep it. So, it's not good to be seen as too far outside the pale. So how does this affect us? Well, if you were to look at us, all right, now we're, we're odd, okay? Yeah. We are not your typical North Missouri residents. Uh, frankly, we're much higher educated than most. And I don't mean that, that sounds snobby, but it's not. Fact. It's just true. I mean, we have, we have degrees that they don't have. We have uh, continuing education that they don't have. <clears throat> Some of us have multiple graduate degrees. <laughs> Well, you know, these things happen. Some of us have done, uh, you know, actually, I have a doctorate, but I got Guys, you bought it out of Rolling Stone. Yeah, I did. I did. I bought back in the early 80s. I bought it out of the back of Rolling Stone magazine. They had this diploma mill thing, and I paid like 20 bucks and got myself a doctorate diploma. So I have a doctorate in history. It's true. But I did buy it out of the back of So when when I go to these hoi bolloi parties, and, which I don't, but if I did, <laughs> and somebody was like, oh, I'm a doctor of so-and-so. Well, I'm a doctor in history. And at this point in time, she, being the loyal wife, would probably still shoot my butt down. <laughs> I think it counts if you buy a doctorate out of the back of Rolling Stone. I had to work for mine. <laughs> I did too. I mean, I've, I had to, I had to make that twenty bucks. Okay, we, that was higher, real, that was real money back in the eighties. Higher and yeah, we're not typical in that we have different education, different kinds of jobs than most of our neighbors. Uh, we don't have kids, so that makes us that makes a little different. A significant we, have, difference. we have a little house. We have a little house sits on a corner. We keep our grass mowed. We garden, but we garden in the backyard. We have. Uh, we, have, we keep our house relatively neat. I've got a big four-wheel drive Silverado pickup truck with, you know, kind of rusty quarter panels and, and uh, cab corners. By golly, that that's, that's as local as you can get, you know. And it's a, it is a um, 2,500, it's three-quarter ton. And, you know, got the big white wall letters on the tires. Tell, you, you, tell you, you what counts more, though. When there is a situation in the community that would require pickup trucks would be there with ours yeah we would when the <clears throat> local store got flooded and we needed a bunch of people to help clean it out before everything got ruined we were down there yep when we had the emergency planning commission we were there so we are seen as odd no doubt but in ways that really matter we are also seen as real members of the community right we we do we we've been part of the local charity functions for years you know and that's just part of being paying your social rent because you got to pay your social rent. We've talked yeah. about social rent before. We don't do that as a prep. We do that as because that's just the right thing to do. We've served on boards. We've taught um, 
no. volunteer uh, volunteered for teach edge classes of various sorts for people who want to learn random things. Yeah, and we've we've taught uh, I've I've taught uh, a free several times, multiple times, uh, photography class. I'm a photographer, and so I teach that. And then we we did. Uh, I don't think it, it will hurt to talk about. We did Financial Peace University. We helped with that because uh, we, we do mostly believe in, well, we believe in living debt-free, absolutely. We kind of believe in a lot of the stuff that Dave Ramsey does, but not all of it and not always. But we had some people that could use it, so we helped We helped in our community do that. So yeah. this is what I'm saying is, yeah, we're weird, but we're also a part one thing we don't do, though, is we don't stick to our own little social clique and don't get out of it. For one thing, we don't have one. For one, Yeah, for one thing, we don't have one. <laughs> but I'll give an example. I work for a regional company. And sometimes we have regional meetings. And I'll go to the regional meeting, and we'll have people from offices all over the state. And I mean, literally all over the state of Missouri. And I'll go there, and I know that the people who run the company would love to have everybody in, at all these tables that are spread out throughout the, the, the conference rooms. They'd love to have everybody sit down and mix, right? But you go there, and what you see is everybody from one office will sit at one table. Everybody from another office will sit at another table. To the point where they started assigning people tables because they did not want that. They wanted people to interact from the other office. We tend, as humans, to clump with our own, with our tribe. And even if, though we may not like some of the people from our office all that well, I personally like everybody I work with, but, and I'm not just joking, I, we've got a pretty good crew, um, but even if we don't like them that well, we'd still rather clump with them than sit with a stranger. People like what they know. They do. So, you know, when we have a, when we have a, a, a what's, your, what's the word I'm looking for? Mandatory fun. <laughs> yeah, mandatory fun. We have the, the Christmas party or the um, mandatory fun. I always make it a point to sit with a group of people I did not sit with the last time. Because I don't want to. I can see these other people all day long, right? I, I don't need to see them. I see them all the time. And, but I'm the exception on that. And I think my way is better. And when it comes to how do we just translate to prepping? Well, we have uh, talked before about something we call normal, normalcy bias. And I think a lot of preppers, just they just go to where they know the people that believe the same as they will will be. Instead of searching out people with other uh, political persuasions, other thoughts, other ideas, they want to go. Let's say, for example, if they're if they're of a certain political bent, they want to watch the news that is tailored toward their political view. They'll only watch one news channel, for example, because it agrees with them. And I think it's a big mistake. You don't see the diversity that's out there. You don't get new ideas. You're a a mutt is a healthier dog than a purebreed. Very true. Because it takes its genetic information from a wider variety of sources, and it's less likely to double up copies of bad information. 
It's got some bad information, but it's also got alternative information, and it can use the alternative information. Okay, this is a perfect example. I have a perfect example. Some friends of mine own a Outfitters thing. Basically, they go out and they set out uh, birds that have been captive raised. It's canned hunt. It, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's canned hunt. They set out a bunch of pheasants that have been raised, cage raised, but they will fly. And <laughs> they will. Yeah. When a dog chases them, they'll fly away. And so they'll go out there and they'll set up pheasants, they'll set up quail, they'll put up 10 pheasants. People pay an enormous amount of money to come do this. And this is what they do on the weekends, my friends. And they make good money at it. So they want to, well, a couple weeks ago, one of the guys brought his own dog and got out. It was a standard poodle. And everybody's, because you look at all these other dogs, they're all the typical North Missouri type pointers and pointers yeah they're they're spotted they're, dogs mostly yeah they're they're, <laughs> they're hunting dogs. dogs they're bird dogs you know what a, if you're from the maybe if you're a city person you may not know what a bird dog is well these are bird dogs okay everybody's got bird dogs and they have you know they point they do all the the, the bird dog work and the guy brought a poodle and they're looking at him like you brought a poodle Oh, isn't that cute? You make, what the yeah. heck? No, they were acting. This is a guy thing. It's not isn't that cute. It's like, <laughs> it's like what? Are you? I like. Are you? Are you like? Are you like a little funny here? Are you? Are you goofy? What, what's going on here? And the things that my friends didn't realize that poodles are gun dogs. They were bred to be gun dogs. They are, in fact, some of the best gun dogs there are. Just nobody uses them that way in America because of the frou-frou frilly look. People associate that with not with hunting, okay? The blood sport of hunting, they don't see a poodle, but that's what they were made for. And talk about the haircut. The original cut of the poodle with the fun funky little ruffs around the paws and things like that that look so goofy, the cut was designed to keep the critical parts of the dog warm in cold water. And they left little puffs of fur around the paws to give them more paddling speed. They were water retrievers. So what you're seeing is in a standard poodle, poodle cut, at least the original version, was a cut designed to make them more effective as water retrievers and help keep them from getting chilled when they did the water retreat. But then that basic idea got morphed into the little miniature toy poodles. And if they have a purpose other than companionship and uh, being ankle biters, I haven't found it yet. The and the whole breed got The standard a poodles bad. are good dogs, though. They really are. They are. Uh, uh, my friend Doc, who I hike with sometimes, I hauled her standard poodle puppy halfway up a mountain because good dog, just too little for the kind of walking we wanted to do. It was a puppy. It was a puppy. Now, the poodle that, that I'm talking about, I saw a picture of him, did not have the, fun the funky cut. Of course, it's the middle of the winter here, and you're going to take a dog outside. You know, you want it. Keep the fur on it. Keep the fur on it. It doesn't have all the funky funky cut but and my friend said that that poodle embarrassed the other dogs it was 10 times the gun dog they didn't take any of their own dogs out with them they were all everybody brought their dogs my my outfitter friends have their own set of dogs that are very good but they didn't have those dogs out they people who want to bring their own dogs and work their own dogs can bring them so but that poodle embarrassed the other dogs i mean it was it was finding everything 
And uh, so there's a preconceived notion. That's just an idea. Okay? Makes sense? Yeah. So we're going to be somewhat outside the pale as preppers because, well, that's just the way society is now. It's not very forward-looking. And we're going to be somewhat outside the, the normal run of things. But if you get too far out, you're both a target and not a good example. So that is my half of this uh, bipolar kind of... That's where I thought we were going with this topic when we started talking about it. All right. And I've got... I, my friends, I've got some tragic news. Here we are. Here almost we are. at we're, our destination. We're there. We're just getting ready to cross, cross the bridge into the People's Republic of Illinois. Oh, is that a political comment? I don't think... Maybe it is. I shouldn't say that. Um, not a fan of Illinois. I'm uh, actually lived there for a while. Uh... And it's not just, it's, they're just goofy. <laughs> Should be two states. Because half the state doesn't seem to know what the other half is doing. Because they don't, city people don't understand rural people and vice versa. Not true. I don't get them. Yeah, I don't get it. Anyway, so we're going to have to skip off the, the topic of how to deal with stuff you know is bad for you and put that off to another podcast. That's going to be its own. And I may open it up by taking another drink out of this very delicious red drink. But if we do it on the way home, you can't <sighs> be opening it with another one of those. No, because my sleep. head will explode. <laughs> I can't. I got to sleep. These things will keep you awake. So we're going to... Ooh, we're crossing the river right now, and there's yep. eagles all over the place. There's an eagle out there on the ice. I see it. Isn't that beautiful? There's another one right overhead. Actually, that one's a little ruffled on the ice. i got to drive. I'm sorry. I'm on the bridge. I don't want to join the eagle in the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the ice flow would hold both of you. No. Uh, just, okay, This as my little digression for this particular podcast, I always do one. Uh, the river's pretty open right now. Yeah. Where? Guys, if you ever have the opportunity to be near the Mississippi River when the ice is on, go as far north on it as the water is open, and you will see as many bald eagles fishing as your heart desires. And my heart has desired quite a few over the years. Anywhere that has a lock and dam. So pretty much you're north of St. Louis. Well, first of all, it's not going to free you south of there, really. But um, anywhere from, like, the northern part of Missouri up and through Iowa into... The northern area. I've never been up into Minnesota as far as watching the Eagles goes, but I know it sure is good here in Missouri, and it sure is good in Iowa. There's there's just hundreds and hundreds of eagles. We used to have a problem where the eagles were an endangered species. I don't know if they're endangered or not, but I sure know where 250 of them are right they now. Took off the en- <laughs> took them off the endangered list yeah, some good. years ago. Because, I mean, I... Yeah, they're still show you threatened, they... so they can still keep people from shooting them for the heck of it. Yeah. Although in Missouri, I don't know what other... Shooting any raptor is illegal. Like a red-tailed hawk, you can't shoot any of them. So, just here or there. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.